it's Tennessee against the NCAA and public opinion still siding with the volunteers in the state of Virginia. There's been more to this from over the weekend. Will the NCAA weasel itself out of this or is Tennessee and company going to bring them down? What we know from over the weekend here on a Monday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Monday morning. Welcome into a new work week. I know, I know, we still wish it was the weekend, but uh, we get back at it. And thanks so much for making uh, Lockdown Balls your first stop here on your Monday morning, whether you're listening to it for free, uh, wherever you get your podcast, where you can go ahead and automatically download those, set reminders on YouTube where you can subscribe for free. And uh, making this your first listen, really, really do appreciate you guys. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every single day. And a quick shout out to LinkedIn Jobs, where you can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions do apply. Hey, I'm Eric Kane. we got a lot to get into today. You've got uh, the NCAA responding to the TRO submitted by the states of Tennessee and Virginia, the Attorney Generals. That came on Saturday. You got a response from that from the plaintiffs. That was on Sunday. Uh, you got a court date. We know when it's going to be going down in the Eastern District Court of Tennessee and Greenville on February the 13th at 9 a.m., uh, plus a massive win for Tennessee basketball at Rupp Arena over Kentucky. So we got a fun show coming up on Monday. I do want to start out by saying this. Um, I don't think I'm bullying anybody, all right? I commonly mispronounce words, and somebody was kind enough to bring that up uh, last week, and that's that's fair because that's something I've always done. Um <laughs> But uh, I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, you know, super, super nerd in the books uh, in terms of, you know, what is legal and not in the state of Tennessee or in the United States. Um, I didn't go to law school. Um, I'm trying to make sense of this as we go on, just like you guys are as well. So uh, specifically throughout this whole process, but, you know, for specifically in segments one and two today, I'm just going to pull the highlights of these responses from the plaintiffs and the defendants, if you will and kind of discuss what they're going to be going over and retorting and stuff in court on February the 13th. Now, I try to get people to come on the podcast and know a lot more than I do, and I'll continue to do that. Uh, but I, I want to I want to make it clear that I'm not a lawyer, and so there's a lot of this that I don't understand as well. But uh, let's go to what the NCAA retorted on Saturday. Of course, this coming from the joint lawsuits, okay, from the Attorney General's Office of Tennessee and Virginia that came, I guess it was Wednesday of last week. Um, you had the statement from... Uh, the NCAA on, I guess, Wednesday or Thursday of last week, but it was just a statement, right? Uh, you had a formal response, and that was made public um, on Saturday. They had until 6 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday uh, to go about it and do that. And here's kind of some of the highlights um, that I could I, I could pull from this. You know, Pete Nakos over at On3 does a really, really good job covering all this. We kind of heard from him on the J.D. Bikel Hard Count show on, on Friday's episode, but did a good job of kind of pulling some of the highlights from the response uh, from the NCAA to uh, Tennessee and Virginia and this joint suit. Uh, one of the quotes, talking about inducements, throwing off the competitive balance of college sports, quote, allowing member institutions and associated groups or individuals to induce prospective student-athletes to attend a particular institution by offering name, image, and likeness compensation would inevitably lead to a greater concentration of talent and a smaller number of member institutions, end quote. Um, you know, that was that was one of them talking about, you know, in terms of inducement and kind of what inducement is in regards to this whole thing. Um, 
NCAA argues that the lawsuit would invite chaos in college athletics. My response to that would be Eric Kane here, Locked On Balls. What the heck is it now? <laughs> if it's not chaos right now, what in the world do you use to describe it there, Charlie Baker of the NCAA? It's, it's Wild Wild West. It is chaos. It's 100% what it is. And, um, you know, they, they kind of said that there's been officials from the Southeastern Conference and from Tennessee specifically over the years who have been on the Division One Council and have been a part of making these bylaws and these agreements. A uh, quote here from the response, uh, for at least the last five years, the Southeastern Conference has had at least one representative on the Division One Council, which approves the Division One Manual. Uh, the current chair of the Division One Council, which uh, recently passed legislation regarding NIL and introduced proposals regarding NIL, discuss further uh, below is an employee of the University of Florida, also in the Southeastern Conference. So again, a lot of the NCAA's response to all this, we'll get into more of the quotes, and I wrote about it on Saturday. It's essentially like, hey, you don't like the rules? You're a member institution. You created and, oh yes, yeah, said that you would follow suit with these bylaws. And we'll get into more of this in segment two, but the, or the Tennessee and Virginia's retort to this from the Attorney General's office is like, hey, yeah, sure, you know, we said we'd do all this. You know, the manual that you gave everybody was 437 pages long of just vagarities, right? I mean, there, there, there's no true structure hidden in that 437 page manual that you gave all of your member institutions back in July of 2021. That's kind of the retort a little bit from, uh, you know, the plaintiff sides. Uh, this uh, response goes on here on Saturday from the NCAA. Quote, there is no reason to upend this process, invite chaos on a moment's notice, and transform college sports into an environment where players and schools match up based primarily on the dollars that can change hands. Requests for radical change require sound deliberation. Yeah, well, you had 15 years to get this stuff in order. You wouldn't have done it at all if not for the Supreme Court ruling saying that you that's unconstitutional and that you had to make it allowed for players to profit off its name, image, and likeness. So that's, again, Eric Kane locked on balls. That's my response to that. It's like you had all the time in the world to figure this out. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really kind of bizarre here. And I'm going to go on and I'm going to read a couple other quotes here from uh, the NCAA's response. This was on Saturday. Use an example of Bryce Young about how he did it the right way, and he went to Alabama based on just the love of the Crimson Tide. Worked as an uh, a, uh, Uber Eats or, or DoorDash employee his freshman year, and then signed multiple name, image, likeness deals where he can bring in about three point five million dollars. Yeah, let's use Bryce Young, the best player in the world at the time, as a classic example. Way to go, NCAA. <laughs> Way to go. A um, couple other quotes here. Trey Wallace did a really good job breaking this down on Saturday. Uh, talking about the plaintiffs, which is, you know, the attorney general's joint suit, Tennessee and Virginia, quote, they do not provide any concrete evidence of how those rules are, ha are harming student athletes and fail to acknowledge that the member institutions within their borders repeatedly agree to follow these rules now um, to the challenge. And again, I kind of mentioned that um, earlier uh, in, in my dialogue here, quote, the NCAA announced that it would be investigating the NIO deals over a year ago. And again, that was May of 2022 when they said they were going to go and retroactively look into everything that went on the last 10 months you know what during the, that time and, and when the uh, name image likeness was legal uh, whereas they didn't really give a clear structure or guardrails at the time 
Uh, quote, plaintiff's request threatens uh, to introduce immediate disarray into college athletics. Again, what in the world has it been right now? Um, quote, allowing institutions and associated groups to, oh, I've already read this one. NIA deals for student athletes, dynamic. Yeah, okay, I've already read that one. Um, while plaintiffs claim not to challenge the NCAA rules prohibiting pay for athletic participation or performance, that is precisely the result of their requested relief envisions. And uh, they're going to have a retort to that, and I'll get into that here in segment number two. So essentially, and again, not a lawyer here, um, NCAA is truly just grasping at straws here. Uh, Tom Mars, who is the uh, very successful lawyer representing Spire Sports Group in this whole matter, he's been active on Twitter the last couple of days. He tweeted this on Sunday afternoon. NCAA reaches new heights in absurdity in the Tennessee versus NCAA. NCAA President Charlie Baker begs Congress to give NCAA immunity from federal antitrust laws. Congress says, hell no. NCAA then claims in court that its rules don't violate the federal antitrust laws. <laughs> and he puts a funny little emoji there. Um, he goes on to say, uh, essentially, he posted a funny uh, graphic uh, you know, on Saturday whenever the uh, NCAA posted its response. And it said, summary of the NCAA's response. Here, I'll show you on Twitter right now if you're, if you're watching us. It says, a summary of the NCAA's response to Tennessee Attorney General's motion for temporary restraining order and as you can see if you're watching on youtube you start to hear NCAA's in the middle and then it's a circle of words around NCAA, and it says circular uh, circular reasoning works because circular reasoning works because and again it just kind of keeps going in a circle meaning that it's just going in a circle round and round and round and round and it makes no no sense at all so again that was uh, some of the highlights from the NCAA's response uh, to the temporary restraining order, Tennessee and Virginia, trying to get that in place by Tuesday of this week, February the 6th. Um, of course, that's National Signing Day, but as you know here on Lockdown Vols and really around college football, it's, it's a whole lot of nothing nowadays because everything gets done in the early signing period, not expecting anything to happen for Tennessee on, early na on National Signing Day here this week. But again, the court date is scheduled for... 9 o'clock on the morning of February the 13th in Greenville, Tennessee. And and Tom Mars has been out there on social media urging Tennessee fans because there's been a lot of commotion and trying to set up. And it's been a whole – it's been really funny. I've liked kind of like what I've been seeing. But setting up a ball walk or um, talking about how they're going to checker Greenville that morning with you know people in orange shirts here, people in white shirts here, and so forth. And it is kind of funny. But Tom Mars going out there and saying – urging Tennessee fans do not come to Greenville on that morning because you're not going to help matters. So anyway, those are some of the highlights. Again, there's a whole lot more in there. Um, not a lawyer just trying to make sense of it. Like, like you are as well. Uh, but what did Tennessee, what did the attorney generals from the plaintiff side have to say on Sunday when they kind of responded to the response? We'll tell you that here in a moment here on Lockdown Ball. Stick around. When you're looking to hire for small businesses, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. All right. And that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. All right. It's got vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. Plus, LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates at your disposal. So easy 
that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's not bad right there. LinkedIn Jobs notes that small businesses are wearing so many different hats, might not have the time or the resources to do this right. That's where LinkedIn Jobs come in. Uh, you can post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That is LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, welcome back into your Monday morning edition of Locked On Vols. Don't forget, I'll take questions. Uh, Twitter Tuesday, X Tuesday, Mailbag Show. That's coming up on tomorrow's show. So any questions about the NCAA investigation, about the temporary restraining order that's uh, you know Tennessee's trying to get in place by February the 6th, on the court date coming up, on what this means for the immediate future for Tennessee and all that. I had a couple of really good interviews at the end of last week. Hope you guys enjoyed it from Trey Wallace and and Adam Sparks talked about a lot of this stuff, hoping to get a lawyer on the show at some point this week. But any questions you have on football, recruiting, basketball, baseball, baseball season starts next week. Can you believe it? Not this weekend, but next weekend. All that and more, I'll answer those on tomorrow's show. Okay, so we heard the response from the NCAA to the NIL lawsuit from Tennessee and Virginia. Now, the a formal response from the plaintiffs, which is Tennessee and Virginia's attorney generals, um, you know, from that response, a response to response, if you will. Here are some of the highlights, okay? A 16-page response that was issued to the NCAA, okay? Uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and when it was uh, its opposition for the TRO on Saturday. And the two states are seeking all that in the Eastern District of Tennessee to lift the NIL recruiting ban to engage in meaningful NIL discussions with collective. That's the whole thing right here. As Danny White mentioned in his letter, and, and Tom Morris mentioned in his statement last week, and um, couple, and I think even Don DePlaman mentioned, it's like you can't say that name that that collectives can be a part of these conversations, you know, as a prospective student athlete, but they can't talk monetary gains. That's that, that's that'd be like you saying, all right, well, I'm going to look into this job, I'm going to accept this job, and I'm not going to know what I'm going to make salary wise until about a month in. That, that's kind of what the NCAA is saying should happen, and that's just literally it's impossible. It's impossible for you know student-athletes looking to go to Tennessee, to, to Florida, to Alabama, to Georgia, to Washington, wherever, Texas, you know, wherever, not just here in Tennessee, but that's what Tennessee and uh, Virginia are kind of fighting here. Um, this is a quote here. Um, you know, following the 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 uh, preliminary injunction hearing that's been scheduled for Monday, February 13th, from the response, quote, to the extent there's confusion on which rules the NCAA thinks gives the power to enforce NIL recruiting ban, the problem is one of the NCAA's own creation. I mentioned this back in segment number one. The NCAA cannot benefit from the fact that its rules, scattered across 437-page manual, are often impenetrable, shifting, and vague. Any uncertainty to uh, or burden from the approach uh, to govern to governance should fall on the drafter, the NCAA, and not the prospective athletes. Meaning, you want to write in vague terms, you want to write in shifting language, and you want to make it nearly 500 pages, and then you want to blame us for not following it to a T. You wrote the daggum thing; it's your problem, and that's kind of what the plaintiffs' part of the argument is uh, right here in terms of. NCAA misreads Tennessee's NIL law. This is part of the response. Quote, every day that passes once the signing period opens would impose further uh, irreparable harm on recruits who face mounting pressure to commit as available scholarships disappear and roster spots fill during the ever-shrinking window. 
talking about as a prospect or a prospect in the transfer portal. Um, if you wait until you sign that national letter of intent to not know what you can gain in terms of a salary, essentially, and you continue to wait, maybe when you decide, okay, well, let's jump with the boat now, that roster spot is is void. It's taken, right? And uh, that's part of recruiting. I mean, that, that's just part of recruiting, and that's kind of what this is arguing here. It goes on to say the NIL recruiting bans uh, injures athletes in both Virginia and Tennessee by artificially deflating their value in the marketplace. Athletes who can um, get even close to that line, whether the line is drawn by the NCAA now or later, could have their eligibility taken away or the school competitively sanctioned. Either would further impact their, their NIL opportunities for the remainder of their brief opportunity to participate in college athletics. Um, another key part of the NCAA's argument was that the state of Tennessee's law prohibits high school prospects and transfer portal players from receiving compensation for enrollment or pay for play. The attorney general is claiming the NCAA mess, misread that state law. Here's a quote on that. The NCAA misreads Tennessee's law. Uh, the law merely prohibits pay for play like the NCAA itself has long done and that the plaintiffs do not challenge here, end quote. Got another quote over here from uh, the response to the response from the TRO. Quote, as plaintiffs have made clear their request, uh, relief is uh, narrow. It would not permit pay for play, nor would it upend other NCAA rules that govern the recruiting timeline, the recruiting process, or a myriad of other aspects of college sports. Rather, plaintiffs seek an order in joining the NCAA's NIL recruiting ban to permit prospective college athletes and current college athletes in the transfer portal to engage in meaningful NIL discussions with collectives and others before committing to a particular institution. That is what this is fighting for. Uh, the TRO, Temporary Restraining Order, is trying to take away that ban that, that, that is not allowing, that's disallowing that right now. And, and that's kind of what they're shooting for right now. So um, a last quote that I'll read here from uh, the former response on Sunday from the plaintiffs to the NCAA. Quote, it's not the plaintiff's fault the NCAA has decided to regulate NIL and recruitment through a, um, through a set of overlapping rules of guidance. To the extent there's confusion on which rules the NCAA thinks it's uh, the power to enforce, the NIL recruiting ban, the problem is one of the NCAA's own creation. The NCAA cannot benefit from the fact that its rules, again, scattered apart 437-page manual, are often impenetrable, shifting, and vague. So again, um, there's a lot that I don't understand. I'm sure there's a lot that you don't understand, but public opinion continues to side with Tennessee, continues to side with Tennessee and Virginia's joint lawsuit from the Attorney General's office. Um, there's going to be a court hearing on February the 13th. We'll see if the TRO is, is lifted by tomorrow, February 6th. I doubt that'll happen, but you know we will see. That's kind of what they were, were what they were going for, and we'll see what happens. Um, it's been a busy, busy week. Donde Plowman has drawn her her line in the sand. She ain't backing down. Danny White has drew his line in the sand. He ain't backing down. You got senators. You got representatives. You got the governor. You've got so many different people jumping in and, and, and sure let's not be naive here to, to think that they're you know an election year i mean all these guys are trying to score some points here i get it you know that is their prerogative but their prerogative is correct and um they're they're they're, they're siding with the university of tennessee and, and tennessee's fight so um since we last spoke again on, on friday 
The NCAA has issued a response to the suit that came out on Saturday. Tennessee responded to that with its own response. The plaintiffs on Sunday and a court hearing is scheduled for Monday morning, next Monday morning, February the 13th. Buckle up. We'll continue to talk about it. What we know, we'll get uh, people who are well-informed to come on the show and talk about it as well. But that's what I, I kind of want to give you the highlights, if you will. Um, some of the big quotes from the responses from over the weekend in this ever-going battle between Tennessee and the NCAA. Hey, when we come back, let's talk about that massive win in Rupp Arena. How impactful was it? History books had to be pulled out for this one. All right, Tennessee takes down Kentucky at Rupp Arena, 102 to... Uh, 93, 103 to 92. We'll talk about that here in a moment, right here on Lockdown Balls. What to say about our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook? It is officially Super Bowl week. Happy Super Bowl week to all those who celebrate from FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. Super Bowl week, it's it, the week is fun. The weekend is fun, but the Super Bowl itself, it's a gathering, a top of fellowship for football fans like me and you. Uh, maybe if your team is playing in the Super Bowl, it means even more for you. But also, you got the Swifties in there now. It's a new demographic in the NFL. You've got the casual sports fans that don't really care, but they'll come and watch this game. You got people that want to see the halftime show. You got friends that just want to see the commercials. We all get together and have fun, uh, eating your favorite treats and, of course, watching what we hope will be a football game. But you can make it even better by scoring an, a W on the final weekend of football uh, for the, 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 the season, right? Super Bowl 58. Which player is going to score a touchdown first? How many points will be scored? Total spreads, individual prop bets, all that and more. You can find it over at FanDuel Sportsbook right now. And new customers can get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. Fun, fun game up in Rupp Arena on Saturday night. Tennessee handled business, stands on business. Eli Drinkwitz, you know what I'm saying? 103 to 92. Tennessee, after its abysmal offensive performance and a loss to South Carolina earlier in the week, went from like 18th in the country in offensive efficiency in terms of Kim Palm to like 30th. It jumped back up to like 15 on Saturday night after scoring 103 points. Now, this Kentucky team is really good offensively. As Grant said on Friday, really good offensively. It is flat-out atrocious defensively, and we saw that. And if not for a Herculean effort from Dillingham, Dillingham, who came off the bench, played thirty, played 27 minutes, scored 35 points, made six three-pointers, Tennessee would have waxed that tail by 25, okay? If not from a 35-point piece from Dillingham of Kentucky, if not for a Dalton Connect-like performance of in Rupp Arena. And what if I told you, that Tennessee would have scored 103 points. It would have beaten Kentucky by 11 points on the road at Rupp Arena. You would have said, man, Dalton went off. Dalton probably probably got 40. He got his first 40-point game of the season. He's come so close so many different times. Not quite. Dalton connects 16 points, 5 of 14 shooting from the field, 1 of 5 from behind the arc. He was just all right. He struggled, in fact, at points in times. Um, and you could tell he was a little frustrated at times. But Tennessee's veterans, or as some of my colleagues over at On3 from KSR said, the irrelevant players, such as Josiah Jordan-James, who's been here a decade, or Zakiah Ziegler, who's now a junior and one of the better point guards in the Southeastern Conference over his time in college, those irrelevant players made the show. Made the show what it was. 
and I get part of the, and I don't have the specific quote, but I'll, I'll watch some of that. I understand what they're saying. You got it. They, they basically said you got to stop the irrelevant players. You can't let the irrelevant players beat you. And that's what happened in their eyes. Um, I would highly argue that though Josiah Jordan James offensively was an irrelevant player the last couple of weeks, I would agree with that. But in terms of what he's done for the program over the last four years, he's been here in terms of how Zakai Ziegler. Yeah. Zakai Ziegler, Josiah Jordan James were abysmal. They were over seven over six shooting in South Carolina. I mean, they were bad. There's a guy Ziegler ain't nobody's irrelevant player. I mean, that, that's just, that makes no sense to me. Been one of the better point guards in the conference the last three years. And boy, he played like it career high for Josiah Jordan, James, 26 points. He put up a 23 pointer against who was it earlier in the season? I forgot, but that was his career. High. He ups to the 26. He was not 18 shooting four, nine from behind the arc. Uh, four for four at the uh, charity strap. He had five rebounds, had one assist. Zakai Ziegler, 26 points, a career high, eight of 11 shooting. Incredible. Uh, three of six from behind the arc. And when he had that first three pointer on the opening possession, it was just off to the races from there. 13 assists, career highs and assists and points for Zakai Ziegler. Phenomenal double double effort. Uh, double double effort. Jonas Adu, also a rough game of points and times. A double-double, 11 points and 11 rebounds. But what I loved so much, not the fast start of this basketball game, not the fact that Dalton Connect wasn't really himself and his teammates picked him up. On any given night, it could be somebody different. You saw that here in this game, 103-92, the final score. But what I liked the most about this ball game was when they had a little brouhaha, you had Dillingham kind of getting into it a little bit with Toby Awaka, and then you had Bradshaw. Bradshaw, who, mind you, played 16 minutes, had six rebounds, scored two points. Bradshaw shoves, like a coward, shoves Toby Awaka from behind and tries to start something. Doesn't say anything to his face. Doesn't push him from ahead. Doesn't throw a punch where he can see him. He shoves him in the back. And Toby Awaka turns around with those crazy eyes. Oh, those crazy eyes. You've seen the stills on social media. We've seen the videos. People have screenshot and posted. Got them crazy eyes. And he was going to inflict harm on somebody if you will <laughs> and he was not going to stop uh what's his name the the referee that I'm, I'm blanking on his name of course i heard it a million times the other night um he you know got got a brad shaw and, and a bear hug essentially and almost a form tackle was pushing him back so again it, it's all it was a couple shoves right a couple shoves of people people were talking smack um but toby Awaka was about ready to inflict some harm and uh he had them crazy eyes and his teammates loved it because Toby Awaka is not he doesn't bring that type of energy ever. He's very calm. He's very cool. He's very collective. He's not a rah-rah guy. And you saw Zakai Ziegler in there just laughing his tail off. And they asked him after the game, why were you laughing so much during that whole situation? He was like, because we've been begging Tobey to show some energy like that before. Been begging him, and he never would. Well, he did in that one. A guy that fouls like him, a guy from where he's from. <laughs> I would think twice about to start shoving Toby Awaka in the back like a coward. That's just my two cents. Um, how in the world there were four technicals, two each, two on Tennessee, two on Kentucky in the offset. How, after going to the monitor and looking at that for 15 minutes, it wasn't a fight, it wasn't a brawl, but you went to the monitor and wasted precious time and daylight, and you came out with double techs on both sides offsetting, move on. Horrific. What an embarrassment from the stripes. I mean, you're going to get Jordan Ganey for talking smack in the middle of the pile. 
You think he was the only one talking smack in the pile? Good grief. Just pathetic. Just pathetic. But Tennessee shot 50% in the second half. Tennessee shot 48% from the field in this basketball game. Tennessee had 22 assists on 36 made baskets. I love that. You guys know me. I'm always going to look at assists to made baskets. 22 to 36. Good ratio. It's a real good ratio. Um, Tennessee jumped out to a 15 to a 16 to 5 lead from the get-go. Had its largest lead at 16. The game was never in doubt. Sure, Kentucky came back. Kentucky made some runs. Oh, yeah, Kentucky went on an 8-0 run one time and brought it within a couple of points. Um, closest lead. Tennessee never, never failed in this basketball game. I believe the closest was. I don't know. It was a couple of points there. Tennessee led by four at one time, but Tennessee continued to get, you know, continued to get out and kind of brace that cushion a, a little bit. And um, man, it was it was fun to see. Tennessee again just bullied them, just absolutely bullied them. Tennessee had, uh, let's see here, who won the rebounding battle? Forty-four rebounds to thirty-eight. Tennessee in the uh, in the paint outscored Kentucky forty-two to thirty, pushing them around a little a little bit. Tennessee had eighteen offensive rebounds and second chance points twenty-two. Now Kentucky also scored twenty-two second chance points, but Tennessee was on the board. Tennessee was creating more shots, creating more possessions for the Volunteers. It was effort, and it was led by the irrelevant players. <laughs> Scoffing at that. Josiah Jordan James and Zakai Ziegler. Again, you can hate, in my opinion, this is all my opinion. You can hate on Zakai. You can hate on Josiah Jordan James and what he's brought to the table offensively for much of this season. That's fair. Anybody calling Zakai Ziegler irrelevant just doesn't watch Southeastern Conference basketball. Just my opinion. Um, is what it is. Tennessee, let me read you off a couple of these, uh, couple, couple of these little stats here, if you will. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of these. But uh, truly incredible what Tennessee did. Uh, Joe Lenardi came out and said Tennessee absolutely had a number one seed light game. The problem is Houston and North Carolina aren't moving off the the one line. And, of course, both those teams lost on Tuesday, just like Tennessee did. But both those teams lost on Tuesday as well and didn't really look all that impressive. So, uh, you know, this win would kind of surpass that in my opinion. But nonetheless, it is what it is. This is from Tennessee Stats and Info. Um, Tennessee's win Saturday at Kentucky was the first by a visiting SEC team and an AP top 10 clash at Rupp Arena since March 2nd, 1997. That was South Carolina who won in that game. So this is the first time Kentucky's loss at home and to an SEC team ranked inside the top 10 when they were also in the top 10 since 1997. Tennessee's improved to eight and three in its last 11 games versus AP top 10 foes. Goodness gracious. Zakai Ziegler, the irrelevant player in that situation, in that span, it's averaged 14.8 points per game in the eight wins. Irrelevant, my ass. Sorry, had to. Um, kids in the car, apologies. But uh, are you kidding me? I mean, come on. Come on, do some research. Goodness gracious. Um, let's see here. According to ESPN's stats and info, Zakai Ziegler is the first Tennessee player with 25 points and 10 assists in a game in the last 25 seasons. And the second player, let me read that again. Zakai Ziegler is the first Tennessee player with 25 points and 10 assists in a game in the past 25 seasons. And the second player in the last 25 seasons to put up those numbers at Rupp Arena. Joining uh, Phil Pressey, uh, he scored or assisted on 60 of Tennessee's 103 points. 
So of the 60, so there were only 43 points Tennessee scored in this basketball game where Zakai Ziegler didn't assist or make the basket himself. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Go back. I'm, I'm going to go back and find uh, a couple other stats here from Saturday night. Tennessee is the second SEC team in the history of Rupp Arena to score 100 points or more. Arkansas had 105 back in 1992. Um, that's the most points Tennessee's ever scored in Rupp Arena, obviously. Josiah Jordan James stat here. Josiah Jordan James went five of nine team inside of the three point line in that in that win against Kentucky. The nine attempts were seven more. To, the nine attempts were seven more two point attempts than James had taken in the four previous SEC games combined. Coming into the game, uh, he was two of his last twenty three at three point shots and and um, one for eighteen in SEC play. That was Josiah Jordan James from behind the arc. Goodness gracious. Um, this is the second most points allowed under John Calipari at Kentucky. Duke scored 118 against Kentucky back in 2018. So this is the second most points allowed under John Calipari at Kentucky. Goodness gracious. Third time in 254 home games under John Calipari that, that Kentucky never held a lead. So again, you're pulling out the history books and you're seeing not only is this a huge win for Tennessee this season, as Tennessee improves to what, 16 and 5 and and, and 6 and 2 in SEC play, huge win for Tennessee. But also it's a historic win in so many different ways. Tennessee just waxed it. Tennessee did and held them off and didn't back down for the challenge and all this from those irrelevant players. Josiah Jordan James and Sakai Ziegle leading the way with 26 points apiece. How about that? How about that? All right. We've got plenty more to discuss as the week goes on. Tennessee versus the NCAA. What comes of that? What what more things will we find out as the week goes on? What about Tennessee basketball as it gets set for midweek and, of course, a weekend? All that and more. Your Twitter Tuesday questions on tomorrow's show for a mailbag edition of Locked On Ball. Send in those questions, those comments, those concerns. I'll talk about them all on tomorrow's show right here on Locked On Balls. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for making us your first listen, and we'll see you tomorrow.